Join Dennis Seagrave for Den at Ten. Hello again. Well, I'm back in front of this microphone talking away. When I first started doing it, there was all sorts of ideas in my head of what I could do, how I could do it, tales I could tell. And as the weeks have gone on, I find it either difficult not to repeat myself and tell the same tale but in a different way or to think of something new to say. I was beginning to get a bit bothered about that and thinking, well, what do I do next? What am I going to do next week? Will something crop up in the meantime? Give me some inspiration. But then the other day I was reading somebody's autobiography. A professional writer, well-known personality, written several books, does a bit of a, a blog and a chat on the Facebook and the internet ever so often. Now, I've never been bothered in things like that, but uh, Elena got this particular book and she lent it to me. And in it, it's talking about their life and what they do. And they say the same thing. That certain books and certain chapters in books flow quite readily. They find things go easily, things come to their minds. And then on other days, I suppose some people call it a form of writer's block. They struggle to get a theme. They struggle to get something that they can write about and talk about. So I suppose really it made me feel a bit better that I'm not the only one that tries to produce stories, tales, recollections, but struggles to bring the right things to mind at the right time. So it's it's pleasing that me as a bumbling amateur has the same problems as, or should that be the other way round, a professional writer has the same problems as me, a bumbling amateur. But in a like fashion, I'll keep pressing on and talking about different things, finding things that have happened to chat about. One interesting thing that I thought it was interesting was several years ago my lad wanted to go to a, I think it was one of the celebrity matches. There's been one recently as they do for one of the charities where it's, is it England versus the rest of the world as he calls it? And it was held at Manchester United's ground. And he says, I fancy going to that, Dad. Can you get us a couple of tickets? Me and one of his mates would, would go. His mate used to be a bit of a United fan, so he knew how to get there, where to park, and all the ins and outs of it. He says, I'd really like to go with him. So I got him the tickets. Now, he had a, for a long while, he had a, a, a thing about not wanting to buy things over the internet or online but I didn't have any qualms about doing it so I sent off and got these tickets for Old Trafford for this match 
Well, he went, he enjoyed the game, said thanks for what I'd done for him. But every so often then, I used to get emails from Manchester United asking me if I was interested in this game, that game, and informing me about things to do with Manchester United. Well, I've been at Art and Aston Villa fan since as long back as I can remember. I remember sitting at home with my oldest elder brother watching Aston Villa win the cup final in 1957. So I'd been at Art a Villa supporter for years. For many years I used to go religiously to Villa Park and watch them, cheer them on. It was only after I got married and had children and moved up into Derbyshire that, uh, or further into Derbyshire should I say, that I couldn't afford to go. The distance to travel and the cost of travel and the way that tickets went more and more expensive got beyond reasonable means for me. So I didn't go for a few years. And then one day my lad said he wanted to go to Burton Albion. So for the last probably 15 to 20 years, I've been going to Burton Albion with him and supporting Burton. The club was I used to go to occasionally. Burton was my nearest hometown as a lad. So I had been to Burton Albion before. If the Villa weren't at home, I'd go over to Burton and give them a cheer as a home team. So I hadn't really got any interest in Manchester United whatsoever. But I kept getting these emails. So one day on the bottom of the email, I saw a little line that said, to unsubscribe from these emails, do this. So I did what it said on the bottom of this email and unsubscribe myself. Or so I thought. A few days later I got an email back saying we cannot unsubscribe you from our emails as we do not have your email address. Uh-huh. So if you don't have my email address why do you keep sending me emails and how have you sent me an email telling me you don't have my email address? I'm still trying to work that one out. As it turned out, I had to change my email address. There was some problems with how I'd got it all set up and I had to change my address. So they haven't got my address now, so it solved the problem. But that's technology, I suppose. Some people exploit it in certain ways. I'm not addicted to it at all. I was talked into doing these chats, said would I do them, would I prepare them and present them every week. But actual Facebook and all those sort of things, I'm not into. I don't do, I'm not a part of it. I hear these things where people say, oh, I've been abused on Facebook. Well, don't read them then. It's simple. Don't read them. 
But I must admit I have lately got into watching things on YouTube. It's Elaine really that started that one off. She uh, she became a keen follower of Foxes Afloat. And so that I could join in because of my love of narrow boats and canals. We watch it on the television, on the YouTube channel. Interesting it is too. They're a lovable couple of fellas. They have a great time and enjoy what they're doing. And because they're doing it on a narrow boat and chugging around the countryside, there are times when I get quite envious when I see them in certain places. But I'm getting my fix now. The restrictions have lifted. Things are different. We're getting one or two trips on the canals now. I can go and crew my boat. We've got some plans to go off to Scotland. Just been watching the the news and such like because we're going on the Jacobite Express, the steam train that goes over the Glenfiddon viaduct. For years it was always the Glenfinnan viaduct when I first saw it it was that. Now it's the Harry Potter viaduct and everybody goes to see it. First time I saw it, nobody was interested in it. Now they queue up to take photos of it. But the thing is that they're talking about a vaccination passport to go to gatherings in Scotland and we're trying to work out whether A, they will implement them and they will be needed and B, whether we'll need one to go on the, on the steam train. I dare say it'll sort itself out before we get there. We'll either will or won't need them. It's going to be an interesting trip. We're booked in at Ladeig, or North Ladeig, I think it is officially. And the caravan site is right on the edge of the sea. Looking from the caravan site, look across a stretch of water to the island of Mull and see the ferries going in and out and across to, I presume, it's Oban as they work out of. But yes, all the caravans are facing the sea. All the front lounges are facing the sea. Really looking forward to that one. Really looking forward to that one. We're doing it over two pitches. We've got four days at North Ladeig and then we move up about 20 miles to another site at Bunree. And it's from Bunree that we'll go off to Fort William for the day and get the steam train ride. Elaine booked it a couple of years ago, but because of COVID and everything, the, the train hasn't been running, so we finally got round to, to going on it. Had to do a bit of a shuffle round with it. Originally, she'd got us on, uh, on a first-class one with a 
a table and afternoon tea and everything else. But uh, since we've acquired Monty, our dog, we're, uh, we've got a bit of a quandary because Elaine didn't want to put him in kennels and we wanted to take him up to Scotland to do a few walks with him. Anyway, I found out as dogs are allowed on the train, but not in the first-class compartments. So we've uh, been put in standard, which means we don't get an afternoon tea. There's a bit of a buffy car and a buffy trolley, as we can get stuff off if we want, but it's not provided as such. Should be interesting. Yes, having mentioned Monty earlier, it's uh, it's still a bit of an uphill struggle trying to get him trained and obedient. Everybody who sees you says, well, it's a springer, what do you expect? But the daft part about it is in the house, the garden, We've even been away with him in the caravan, he's brilliant. He's excellent. But open the door and put a lead on him, he is an absolute bully. He just wants to do what he wants. We've had a bit of professional advice, a bit of professional help. They've given us some homework to do, which will be interesting. How uh, to encourage him to walk alongside us and not pull on the lead. At first attempts it seems reasonable, but I think he gets a bit bored with it after a bit and gives up and starts bullying again. He won't win. He won't win. We'll, we'll get him organised, I know we will. It just makes you wonder how many hours work go into some of these some of these dogs that we see, either at the agility or the gun dog training. I know we used to go regularly to the game fairs and have a look at the gun dog trials that were going on. With hand signals and whistles, these dogs would run out, jump over fences and come back with the, the dummies that had been thrown for them. Going into streams and ponds, no problem whatsoever, coming back and dropping, dropping what they'd retrieved at the owner's feet. I would hope that one day Monty could do that. He's a Springer Spaniel after all, and that's what they're that's what they're trained for to be a gun dog. As I've said before, he's mixed parentage. His his mother was a more of a show dog, and his father was a field trials champion. So we shall see. But it would be nice to take Monty to a game fair, have him under control, being a reasonable dog, behaving. I would dearly like to take him places and show him off. This is our dog, isn't he brilliant? 
But at the moment, it's a case of being embarrassed at having to struggle with him. I'm sure people think we're probably ill-treating him because we're having to wrestle with him so much to keep him under control. We're not. The trainer has showed us how to try and control him, how to use the lead work to pull him back when he thinks he's going to get away with it. We'll persevere. Talking of gun dogs and shooting, I had a bit of bad news the other day. The guy that introduced me to clay pigeon shooting. When I first started going, he used to take me along with him and lend me one of his guns to shoot with. So I owe him a great deal. A great deal. Took me into a I don't know if you call it a hobby, a sport, a pastime, whatever you'd call it. But he introduced me to it, encouraged me, got me fairly competent at what I was doing. So I say a big thank you and I'll miss you. I've known you for about 40 years. I'll miss you. But everything keeps going along. Everything keeps, life continues. We had the AGM of the Clay Pigeon Club. We've got some more members, extra members. Things are looking up. I wish I could say the same for the Quiz League as I'm involved with. The Quiz League that I'm chairman, we've, we had promised that we got some new teams in, but we haven't, we've just got the the same teams as we've had for the last couple of years. Different pubs keep closing down. They drop out. One team dropped out because they're having a job to get players. But the league still continues. A mate of mine and myself started that league off at Belper. They were getting fed up with the Derbyshire League on a Wednesday night and asked us if we could do something. We got our heads together and invented a league and 32 years later it's still going. <laughs> Quite proud of that one. Mind you, if you'd have told me 30 years, 32 years ago I'd still be running it and still be chairman of the league, I wouldn't have believed it. I've not been doing it continuously for the 32 years, I did have a break and I didn't get involved. Played in it occasionally. Then for a few years we played regularly. I think they thought we were cheating because for, I think it was 10 out of 11 years we won the league. And for five of those years we won the cup, knockout cup as well. We just enjoyed what we were doing and we were lucky enough to get four, five people together who've worked well together and covered a area of knowledge between us. And we did well. We did well in the Derbyshire League as well. We won that a few times. Won the cup a few times. 
So yes, we're gearing up for that. We've had the AGM for that. That will be underway soon. We've got the teams who want to play in it. We've got question setters who are willing to set the questions. So all will tick along nicely. So I've got the timetable right and the number of teams that are playing we should be starting probably mid-October. Then next week we've got the AGM of the Derbyshire League. I don't know whether I should be at that meeting or not. If our normal rep at the meeting wants company, I should travel with them and take part in the meeting. Other than that, for once I can leave it to somebody else to represent us and make decisions on our behalf. I don't mind that, I've been doing it for a long while. I, I did that as a union rep, I did that as a union branch secretary. I got telling off once from the area organiser. It was to do with a deal where we were putting all the various unions together and we were trying to get a pay scale for the manual and the clerical workers. And the whole idea was that a job evaluation would take place. And then that would form the basis for the pay deal so that everybody was on the same pay scales. Now to order to process it we went down to a special special general meeting. It was at Alexandra Palace in London. A strange place that is. Exciting place. All sorts of different things in it. There's ice rink in one part when we were there. And then the big meeting hall. Anyway, we went down and it was debated. And we had to cast a vote. Now, at the time, they hadn't got an idea of which job evaluation scheme was going to be used. So us delegates got our heads together and we voted against it. I wasn't the only one to vote against it. It was the, the motion to implement the pay scales was defeated. And we all said, until we know what the job evaluation scheme is, we're not voting for it. And our district organiser wrote a very nasty letter saying I'd squandered branch funds by paying for a trip for me to go to London and then voting against the motion. But bless them, the rest of the branch committee said I voted on their behalf and I did the right thing. So I'm no stranger to making decisions and doing these things. But it is nice to put my feet up, sit back and watch somebody else do it, I must admit. But yes, as I said at the time, the person who sent me the letter criticising me wasn't even at the meeting to know how the debate had gone. They didn't take into account that nearly 70% of the delegates voted against it as well, not just me. But it didn't bother me. I carried on. Ignored them. I was there. I knew what was debated. I knew what was going on. 
I knew what was best for my members, as I like to call them. And that was it. I must admit I, I enjoyed my time with the, the unions. It's the, one of the things I miss from not being at work. The over-the-table conversations, debates, occasional arguments. But it's one of those things. I know I went to one meeting with a lad that has... Uh, he'd not been going to college and he'd not been coming to work instead of going to college. He'd just been bunking off for the day. College thought he was at work, work thought he was at college. And he was in for a disciplinary, so I went in to defend him. And the people that his employers were really putting a damn good case forward to have him dismissed. And we exchanged views over the table. And the lady that was his employer, his boss, was quite strong in her opinions and her views and what should happen to him. And I was trying my best to defend him. And Anyway, they, they came to the conclusion as he'd get a, a written warning. And I walked out of the meeting and this lady boss ran after me and walked out with me. I thought that was a fair result, didn't you, she said. And we chatted as we went out of the room. I had cause to defend her later on in the career. And in the 2002 World Cup, we sat together watching England play Brazil. <laughs> Strange. The first time we met, we were opposite sides of the table, and by the time she left and went for work elsewhere, we were best of friends. But that is how it works with those things. You can argue the case with different people, but as soon as the meeting is over, you can go to the bar together or whatever. I've argued with people in the past and then gone out and bought them lunch at dinner time. I never took things personally, I suppose. And I think if you did, it would be the end of your career as a representative. Too involved for your own good. But yes, I enjoyed the union conferences. Because we were such a big union, the only place that could accommodate us was Bournemouth or Brighton at the uh, international conference centres. Stayed in some funny hotels at times when we went to those, and we stayed in some good hotels. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed every moment of it. Yes, we did party well at nights, each area, each uh, area had their own night. 
The East Midlands would have one one night, the London area would have one another, and we'd buy tickets and go to each other's functions. I remember one was a, a medieval banquet that was quite enjoyable. Another one was um, like a jazz evening. Again, very enjoyable. A stroll home along the seafront and back to the back to the hotel. Great times. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Miss that. Miss that more than anything. Is what we used to do for the unions. Yes, we parted well at night, but we we attended and we worked hard during the day, trying to decipher the pros and cons of all the different debates and the different discussions that were going on. There were some budding politicians amongst the union reps. The same old faces getting on the stage to present an argument or counter an argument. Some of them weren't bad, others were just trying to imitate politicians and the way they spoke and the way they delivered their speeches. But fair play to them, they were there trying to do a job. In many cases, like myself, it was an unpaid job. You did it because you wanted to do it. Yes, I miss the people and I miss the banter and I miss the debates. And I, yes, I miss some of the people. But I haven't regretted leaving work for one second. Long may it carry on. Ten hour for now.